Good morning. Last week I recalled us sitting, us people who planted the church sitting in the room at Concord trying to think of a name, and it brought up a kind of a sad memory for me. Do you guys remember Horton's Hall of Hallowed Heavenly Holiness? That name was voted down as the name of the church. I think H5 would still be a cool name for a church plant if y'all ever want to change your name. <laughs> We're going to complete our sermon from last week, Reconciliation. In our thoughts regarding Habakkuk 1 through 11 last week, we saw that all of God's creation must be reconciled with God's creative purpose. Those who bear His image must bring Him glory and honor in all things. After all, creation is a masterpiece, and the creator of a masterpiece has the inherent right to determine how it's used. God did not only create nature and those things outside of man, but He created our souls, our thoughts, our motives, our affections. They all belong to Him. As Samuel told ancient Israel, only fear the Lord and serve Him faithful, faithfully with all your heart, for, for consider what great things He has done for you. 1 Samuel twelve twenty four. The designer placed on those who bear His image in His creation that they would be governed by His laws and by His principles. Righteousness is His requirement. The book of Joel is going to remind us of our need to evaluate the conduct of our lives in view of the coming day of reconciliation called the day of the Lord. And our a scripture last week from Habakkuk warned us of the danger of that reconciliation coming by sword. It would be accurate to also say that reconciliation is coming according to the just laws of God. Again, 1 Samuel says, but if you still do wickedly, you will be swept away, both you and your king. God's desire, His heart for His creation, is that we avoid the sword and seek to be reconciled Him through His path of hope, the path of the Savior. The foundational quality of God's reconciliation, either by law or by Savior, is righteousness. Righteousness is the legal quality of being just. That means without fault in our cause, our conduct, and our character. I want to illustrate a couple of things today. I brought some seeds with me. These are a packet of hydrangea seeds. You would not be able to see this seed from your distance if I held one of them up. But if you plant this seed in the ground, you will get a flowering shrub that can grow six feet wide and six feet tall. Also have sunflower seeds. Whoops. Ah! I should not have done that. Sunflower seeds, if you plant them, you could get a flowering plant that's up to 10 feet high. I did all my medical training in Columbus, Ohio. Somebody decided that when I left Ohio, I needed a buckeye to bring with me back to Mississippi. And that's what this is, is a buckeye. If you plant this buckeye, you will get a tree that can grow up to 40 feet high. I'm sure that they sabotaged this sermon today by giving me that buckeye. <laughs> 
It's critical that we grasp one of God's laws of creation. A seed contains life within itself, and it will always produce what is consistent with that life. I've got one other piece of information I want to give you before we get into the actual sermon today as introduction. Don't let it startle you. One of your pastors is a shoplifter. Think about it for a minute. You might think it's Mark Mims. It could very possibly be Chris Gaither. But we all know that the scoundrel among your pastors is me. <laughs> when I was nine or ten years old, I was in a store in Cleveland, Mississippi. I saw a pack of double mint gum, and I put it in my pocket and walked out of the store with it. My shoplifter. Let's pray. Great Creator, who can stand before you? Only the righteous. Today I praise you as the Creator who has made a way for us to have righteousness, true righteousness, reality righteousness. And I pray, Father, that by your creative power, according to your glory and your purpose, maybe there would be some new birth among us here today. In Christ's name, amen. Would you turn to Jeremiah 23, two verses, 5 and 6, Jeremiah's just past psalm in the Old Testament. And would you do my, me a great favor today that when I mention a phrase from these verses later on, look down in, that, in those texts and see if you can find that phrase from the verse. Here's the verses. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. When I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely. He shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. The word branch, the righteous branch is the subject of these verses, and the word branch is directly connected to seeds. When a branch sprouts, it means that a seed has been sown. Branch is the language of creation. And I think Jeremiah is looking back somewhat in his mind to the days of creation, and possibly when these words were said, Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring, or you could say between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you will bruise his heel. Just as God had done for all of creation in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, he plants a seed. This time he does so at the moment of the fall. He's looking forward to a day when all things will be reconciled back to himself. His purpose in planting this seed was to bring forth a harvest of hope. A hope that on that last day, that dark and fearsome day of reconciliation, there would be those who did not perish by the sword. The prophet is forecasting this hope because he says the days are coming. He has not seen the righteous branch in his days. Our task today, my task today, is to examine this righteous branch 
as closely as possible because all our hopes hang on Him. The first point, the branch is the work of God. Salvation cannot be achieved by any work of man, only the work of the Creator. God has proclaimed that all mankind is condemned and subject to His reconciliation by His law. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wage of sin is death. Therefore, the prophet tells us that this righteous branch, the hope of our salvation, is the work of God. God spoke it, declares the Lord, and God will perform it, I will raise up. When Adam chose independence from God and disbelief of God's word, he handed over all of his future people, all of his offspring, all of his seed to the power of Lucifer, the, un the original unbeliever. A seed can only produce the kind of life that it contains. A hydrangea seed produces a hydrangea flower. A sunflower seed produces a sunflower. A buckeye produces a buckeye tree. And when I took that pack of gum from that store and put it in my pocket, I proved that I was the son of a corrupted seed. I was the son of Adam, and I was under the power of Lucifer. I had been conceived in sin, according to Psalm 51. I was not acting against my nature. I was producing exactly the kind of action that my nature was always going to produce. Reconciliation of that act of rebellion and independence subjected me to God's holiness and His justice. God is not only creator, He's the only judge. He is the only one capable of changing the outcome of reconciliation. It would have been right and good for me to go back into that store, confess my sin, and give the gum back. Or maybe it would have been good if I'd gone back later, confessed my sin, and given the money back. But any act of good deed that I would have performed toward a human would not have removed the death sentence that I was subjected to by the law of God. You cannot reverse a sin by doing a good deed. This may feel unfair to us who have a fallen nature, but God has declared that the work required to absolve our guilt must be a work done by His hand, and only His hand. All hope of salvation must proceed from the Creator, not man. Righteousness flows from the righteous branch. But this is good news for us. Our second point from our text, the branch is from a specific seed. The text says, I will raise up a I will raise up for David. It is impossible for a hope to arise from a branch of Adam's race. God must do the work, and when God does work, he does particular, specific work. The righteous branch had to be born from the seed of woman, according to Genesis. And it had to arise from a particular branch of man that God chose himself. The branch had to be a son of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The branch identified in Jeremiah's passage had to arise from the tribe of Judah 
because God had already spoken that the scepter would never depart from Judah. The branch had to come from a royal line. It had to be a descendant of David. It would arise from the remnant of Israel, which would come out of Babylon and return to the land of promise. The Creator does His gardening in the soil of His own choosing. This is why we read in Matthew, And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shatil, and Shatil the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, until we finally hear these words in Matthew, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Christ was, Jesus was born, who is called Christ. For the young people here, I want to tell you that every word of Scripture is inspired and every word has meaning. And I want you to notice that Matthew does not say Jesus is the son of Joseph. He says Jesus is the son of Mary. In contrast to the popular view that God does things randomly and by chance, when we see God create and plant, and most assuredly when we see His purpose to save, He is very specific in how He does His work. Salvation must arise from a seed of God, and it must be the result of His gracious and miraculous work that promised descendants to a pagan man and, keep that, and keeping that seed alive against all odds. Righteousness belongs to one man, a specific man, Jesus, who is called Christ. Third point. This branch shall reign. We could probably talk about a lot of different things of what it means to be a king, but we want to pay attention to our verses, and our verses say, He shall reign as a king and deal wisely. This righteous branch sits with God. He rules sovereignly, and he rules with wisdom. The graphic that we've chosen today illustrates for us because the branch is arising out of a dead stump. It is to this branch and this branch alone that mankind will give account as absolute ruler. It will be his laws by which all the citizens of his kingdom will conduct themselves. This branch is K-I-N-G with all caps. The phrase deal wisely informs us that the, this ruler has a unique capacity to bring things into balance, to reconcile things, to correct creation's dis disorder. Wisdom means that he will do so without any waste, without any wrong, and fully bearing the image of the Father, performing exactly as the Creator intends. This branch possesses godliness in both quality and quantity beyond all comparison. He has insight. He gives attention to detail. He comprehends all things of the Father and is perfectly pruned by God to produce the holy, holy nature of God. For in Him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether in heaven or in earth. Colossians 1, 19-20. His reign must be over a kingdom that fully reflects the images of the seed sower. It must align perfectly with God's intentions for His creation and His creatures, and it will spread godliness to all of its citizens. 
righteousness, which means justice in cause, character, and conduct, will be the character of the ruler and the character of his kingdom. This branch shall reign as God intended. Number four, this branch will reconcile. Jeremiah was not living in a time of nirvana. He was living in an evil age. In fact, his days were far removed from the words that he used, justice and righteousness. Just one chapter earlier in Jeremiah, he had described the royal branch of his days, Jehoiakim, the king, who was over Judah. And he said these words, You have eyes and heart only for dishonest gain, for shedding innocent blood, and for practicing oppression and violence. 22.17 I think in order for our minds and our hearts to truly appreciate the words justice and righteousness, we must see the contrast between two kings. The branches of, of the seed of man, the fallen branches, are like Jehoiakim. They are abusive. They are selfish. They are quick to shed blood. They gain through dishonesty. They oppress others. And they spread this throughout their subjects. In contrast, the seed that was sown by God proclaims good news to the poor. Proclaims liberty to the captive, recovers sight for the blind, and sets at liberty those who are oppressed. Justice and righteousness are concepts of bringing things into their proper position, of deciding a case, of making judgments. And all things will, must be performed with honesty, eth ethics, and for the prosperity of other people. That's what justice and righteousness are, those are the words of reconciliation. All things in all the earth that are improper, out of place, unethical, or some selfish gain will be removed through the sword. This is the most important point I'm going to make this morning, so please pay close attention. The righteous branch has been provided so that you and I may escape the sword. His righteousness is so pure, it is so magnificent, and it is so sufficient. He can share His righteousness with others and make them righteous. For by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Romans 5, 19. This is the only means by which shoplifters have an opportunity to be declared innocent and escape reconciliation by the sword. Point number five. This branch gives life. You and I may desire to live in a utopian society. In fact, there's a lot of talk everywhere about making things better and creating a good society. Well, Jeremiah promises that such a society is coming but there's a truth in this passage that is hard to swallow and unpopular. You cannot reach a utopian society by including everyone. This may shock us, but I want to look closely at the text. When Jeremiah saw his vision of the coming righteous and just society, it did not include everyone. 
he mentions two words that point to one group. He says, in his days, Judah will be saved. Israel shall dwell safely. Judah and Israel are exclusive. Let's be true to Scripture. I want to note that Jeremiah most likely probably has ancient Israel in his mind. But you and I know that the promise of God to Abraham was to give him descendants as numerous as the stars. And this could not be achieved by Israel alone. The citizens of the coming kingdom include all the sons of Abraham. But even all the sons of Abraham is not inclusive of all of mankind. Those who refuse to bow to the king, those who do not want to be citizens of his kingdom, those who live for themselves, those whose hearts do not possess justice and righteousness will be excluded. They will be judged by the sword of reconciliation. The phrases Jeremiah uses, being saved and dwelling security, securely, That refers to liberation. It means to be set free from the midst of a battle. That battle is the struggle that has been proceeding for ages between the fallen seed of Adam and the line of people that God established to bring hope out of despair. The righteous branch does not produce unrighteousness. The righteous branch comes from a dead stump in order to create an entirely new humanity. He brings into his land those to whom he gives his life. In the famous passage from John 15, Jesus himself identifies only two types of people. Pay close attention to these words. The first type, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that, bear, he is that bears much fruit for apart from me, You can do nothing. The second type. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away. The righteous branch gives life by infusing his very own life into others. He changes the nature of those branches, thereby rendering them capable of producing life instead of death. This is the only miracle I know of whereby one seed that has a particular kind of life in it can become a different seed that has a new life in it. It is the miracle that only the Creator who made all those seeds could ever produce. And it comes to us by abiding in Him. Abiding means an intimate, connected relationship whereby we gain His life. He implants a new seed in us the plant, the, the seed of His Holy Spirit that changes the nature of our life. This is how the Creator gives life to unrighteous branches and makes them righteous branches. Number six. I'm looking at the clock. I finished at 11.30 last week. I didn't think I was going to make it this week, but we're doing fantastic. We might even say righteously. This branch is our righteousness. Listen to the words of Jeremiah. This is the name by which he will be called. The Lord our righteousness. Let's take a last look at the concept of seeds and creation. Once Adam fell in Genesis 3, 
Everything that arose from his seed became a fruitless and dry stump. Now those stumps are not fruitless and dry in regards to works. There's many works. Many works of societies. Many works among us all here together today. Slander. Lies. Stealing. Murder. Violating the rights of others. Seeking the prosperity of ourselves above the weak and the poor and the defenseless people around us. Our eyes are given to lust, our hands to bloodshed, our hearts to coveting. Yes, we do some things that we would consider moral and good. But the outcome of even those deeds, because they are produced by a corrupted seed, produces spoiled and rotten fruit that is not going to last. I don't want us to make the mistake of thinking that because God talks about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David, that they were different in their nature than other humans. God did not raise up Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, or David to bring, to bring forth a new branch from themselves. He chose them and changed their natures so that he could bring forth the righteous branch from their line. They were no different in their humanity than you and I are. They were not special people in their nature. A seed will only produce what it contains. The Lord, our righteousness, means those branches who are joined to the righteous branch become righteous like He is. If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Romans eleven sixteen. You know, the truth is, I'm ashamed to tell you that I'm a shoplifter. It was an act of rebellion. It injured my fellow man. And even worse, it exposed me to the sword of God's reconciliation. But I'm not afraid to tell you that. Because the Lord is my righteousness. I used to be a prisoner, and the reason I was in prison is because I had a seed in me that only and ever produced corruption and death. I was guilty. I was shackled. Justice awaited me. My status was Bill Horton, seed of Adam, shoplifter. I needed a miracle. I could not help myself. But I was changed, not by any power I had done or any good deed I had performed, but by placing my trust in the righteous branch who gave me life. My status today, Bill Horton, seed of God, just and righteous. Jesus is my righteousness. I'd like to quote one of my favorite artists from a song I was just listening to yesterday. I believe that there's reality and mercy after all. There is truth in being saved by grace through faith. And I believe that when I'm called to give an answer on that day, I'll be sure my debt is paid. I will fall on my knees and say, it was the blood of Jesus. I don't know if you've listened to both of these times together, what your reaction is. That's from God. 
But I do hope that you have at least gained two things. It is extremely good news for us when we despair, come to the point of despairing of ourselves because there is no hope in us. But it is extremely good news that God cares and has raised up a righteous branch. If you put your faith and your trust, you completely depend on Him, He will make you righteous and bring you into His righteous kingdom. Let's pray. Father God, what can we say to you except for thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you are kind to sinners. Thank you that you raise up people who are dead and bring them to life. It is truly a miracle that only a creator could do. Help us, Father, to depend upon you. In Jesus' name, amen.